We'll take your Bibles tonight. I'm going to ask you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 2. And then uh, maybe go ahead and mark your Bible in 1 Kings chapter 2. There's a, a few verses there I'd like to point out. So 1 Samuel chapter 2, we've been in a series uh, really just getting started overall. We're six sermons in. This is sermon number six. It is so good to have uh, so many guests here. I know a lot of you graduates have uh, grandparents here and, and aunts and uncles and cousins and and uh, friends here uh, that are part of the service tonight. That's, that's really, a, really a blessing. Good to see Miss Dirksen here tonight as well. Been praying for her. Her husband went home to be with the Lord uh, this past year. And, and so, Miss Dirksen, we're glad you're here tonight. It's a blessing. All right. Um, so, we're in 1 Samuel, and I think I mentioned to you 1 Kings 2. I don't know if did I gave you the chapter. 1 Kings 2 is uh, where we'll. Uh, mark her Bibles, just uh, to turn over there briefly. Uh, the series is entitled, When a Nation Needs Revival. When a Nation Needs Revival. And, and um, you know, the type of revival that we need, the hope is even right here in these graduates if they live under God's authority. You know, that's going to be a big part of it uh, for our future. When a nation needs revival. So join me reading in uh, chapter 2 and verse number 27. Just follow along as I read. And uh, I, I, it's just, it is, a, it is a tough passage. And I, and I hope you don't think, man, preachers here to rain on my graduation ceremony. All right, that's not it at all. Uh, but I think there's something here that we're supposed to, um, to get and apply to all of our lives. And so I'm just going to read the text and then we'll do some background uh, rehearsing as to what's going on here. It says, And there came a man of God unto Eli and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Did I plainly appear unto the house of thy father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? Well, the obvious answer to that would be yes, God did do that, didn't he? He plainly appeared to them. He revealed things unto them. He spoke to them. Verse 28, did I choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon mine altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me, that'd be a priestly garment, to wear an ephod before me. And, and did I give unto the house of thy father all the offerings made by fire of the children of Israel? And the answer is yes, he did. He did choose the, uh, the, the tribe of Levi to do that, Aaron and his lineage, to have the distinct privilege of serving as priest in the tabernacle. And so that was huge. Now, verse 29, the man of God says this, Wherefore kick ye at my sacrifice and at mine offering, which I have commanded in my habitation, and honorest thy sons above me to make yourselves fat with the chiefest of all the offerings of Israel, my people, Wherefore, the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed that thy house and the house of thy father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord saith, be it far from me, for them that honor me, I will, what? Honor. And they that despise me 
shall be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days come that I will cut off thine arm and the arm of thy father's house, that there shall not be an old man in thine house, and thou shalt see an enemy in thy, my habitation and all the wealth which God shall give Israel. And there shall not be an old man in thine house forever. And the man of thine whom I shall not cut off from mine altar shall be to consume thine eyes and the, to the grief of thine, to grieve rather thine heart. And all the increase of thine house shall die in the flower of their age. And this shall be a sign unto thee that that shall come upon thy two sons on Hophni and Phinehas. In one day shall they die, both of them. Verse 35, he says, And I will raise up a faithful priest that shall do according to that which is in mine heart and in my mind. And I will build him a sure house, and he shall walk before mine anointed, that be the king, he shall walk before mine anointed forever, and it shall come to pass, here's a twist of irony here, it shall come to pass that everyone that is left in thine house, Eli's house, shall come and crouch to him for a piece of silver and a morsel of bread, and shall say, put me, I pray thee, into one of the priest's offices that I may eat a piece of bread. Well, um, the the judgment or the punishment fits the crime because they had been indulgent with, with all the offerings and now they're begging, begging just for a morsel of bread to eat. Well, that's a cheery passage for this occasion, isn't it? Yeah. The Word of God to today's family. The Word of God to today's family. Listen, it's a warning. Um, it's a warning I think that you all need. All right, and I'll try, I'll try with God's help to make that plain. Uh, somewhat of a charge to you, uh, but also to your families, to all of us here. We need, we need this. God preserved this for us that we might take heed to it um, because we need God's blessings on our lives. So the Word of God to today's families. You may be seated as we get into it here tonight. <clears throat> Well, if you want something to be passed down to your family, you, uh, you've got to take care of it. So maybe it's uh, something as simple as a pocket knife. Um, Lane yesterday was asking me about a pocket knife. He had a pocket knife on him and I enjoyed that. And, and my dad has given me pocket knives. How many of your dad has given you a pocket knife or a knife or something sharp? All right. And, uh, you know, I've, I've held on to some of that and some of them I've passed on already to my, my sons, you know. And, but to be able to pass it on, you know, you got to take care of it. You know, you can't just leave it out and leave it around and, and lose it. You know, it's, it's something special. You, you've got to take care of it. So maybe it's a, a pocket knife or maybe it's a, a vehicle that's been in your family. I know Brother Seth uh, has restored his granddad's. Uh, vehicle, and I mean, I mean to tell you, it is it is pristine. It is it is sharp. It runs. That's pretty awesome. And and so, anyways, that's that's a neat keepsake. You know, you get to pass that that on down. And uh, you know, of course, maybe all of us, you know, we think about 
um, you know, a will or, or finances, maybe that you want to leave to be a help to your family. Well, you, to be able to do that, obviously, you've got to take care of things to be able to have something to do so, right? And, and, and being financially responsible and, and all those things. So, I mean, it, it could be fa family heirlooms. It could be, you know, a rifle or a shotgun, or it could be a china set, a bowl or, or glasses and, and things of that nature, um, or something that your grandmother made with her own hands. I've got, you know, some quilts that my grandmother, you know, uh, hand-stitched and, and uh, worked on. Well, that, I mean, that's, that's precious. And, and you want to you wanna take care of those things to be able to, to pass them on. All right, here's, here's basically a big gist of the message here tonight. Uh, graduates, you've been given something very precious. You really have. You've got a good heritage. And I believe with all my heart and based on the Word of God that you've been given something that is worthy of you passing on to the next generation. And, and I want to say to all of us, this is not just for the graduates here tonight. I've chosen to stay in the series intentionally because this is something for all of us. I, I believe that Southwest Baptist Church has been given something very, very special that we're supposed to pass on to the next generations, you know, that are coming up. And by the way, I thought about it this way because this message doesn't have to be all negative. It's, a, it's a, actually a rather positive uh, message uh, that, that these graduates that are coming here, uh, they've, been, they've received something that has been passed on from one generation to another generation. And Southwest has been doing this for many years now. Those of you that have been a part of Southwest, hey, we used to have you wear a cap and gown, so you're welcome <laughs> that you didn't necessarily have, you didn't have to do that again. But, but uh, anyways, uh, we just, we feel like what you've done here is, is very, very significant. And, and you need to know this, you need to understand this up front, that privileges are not perpetual. They're not automatically perpetual. I, I, I mean, uh, you can have a lot of great things given to you and squander it. And squander it. And, and you know my heart, graduates and parents, you know my heart, and so many of you do at least. And, and you know that, um, that, that we want to see these young people just put God first in your life. And serve him all your days. And, and serving him all your days doesn't mean you have to be called into ministry and, and go to Heartland Baptist Bible College if you get accepted. I mean, it, do, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have to, to go that way. Uh, I've heard many of you say, I'm going to OSU OKC. I'm going to OCCC. I'm going to this trade school. I'm going into the military. Hey, listen, every one of those places needs some young people that will say, I just, I'm here to serve God. And he's called me into this specific area right now. I believe this to be God's will. And, and I'm just going to pursue that and let God prepare me. But, but here's what's desperately needed in every one of those locations is somebody that will be salt and light. Salt and light to be, to stand out, be willing to stand out and, and to, be, to be different. And you've been given something. You've been given great, great privilege. And, and I, I just want to remind this whole church here tonight that we have a goodly heritage. 
We are recipients of a goodly heritage and, and so many have paved the way ahead of us. I taught the new members class this morning and, and I told them about uh, Brother Burt and Miss Irma Harrison and, and how faithful they were for 29 years to pastor here. Many of you were a part of that, the church family at that time even and, and your life was impacted there. And then Brother Davison pastored for 20 years. And, and in addition to that, I'll never forget Brother David Jordan saying that you know Southwest has been blessed by the leaders that we've had, but, but it's also been blessed because there's been some godly, godly members of this church and mature Christian members of this church. And, and that's, that is to God's praise and glory. I, I just, I'm just saying here that we have been given so very much. Let's keep it going. We've been given so very much. Reading tonight, somewhat of a very difficult passage, I acknowledge that. But we're reading tonight of a family whose dad is named Eli, and he's in the lineage of the priestly tribe, and his sons Hophni and Phinehas, they were greatly privileged. Greatly privileged. Um, and the man of God showed up on the scene. The man of God, unnamed. We don't know where he came from. But over 70, I think it's 78 times, the Word of God mentions the man of God showing up on the scene. And not every, not every time was it a blessing when the man of God showed up on the scene. What's, by the way, what does the terminology man of God mean? Well, man of God means someone who represents God. In fact, the term there, thus saith the Lord. Did you see it? Thus saith the Lord. That's used 740 some times. It's in my notes. But over 700 times, the phrase in our King James Bible, thus saith the Lord. And, uh, and that's used that way. Man of God means somebody that's occupied with God. We, we think about, you know, a man of, of the field. What's well, a man that works out in the field. He's a man of the field, right? He studies the field. He spends time in the field. Man of God is somebody that studies God and spends some time with God so that he has some things to pass on from God. Are you following me here? The man of God showed up on the scene and he said this, did not I plainly appear? In other words, it's with great stress and with great uh, pronouncement that he says, listen, I, I made it very clear what my will was for you. I, I made my revelation clear that I was going to bring you out of Egypt and, and did not I choose Aaron and his sons to serve me. And, and uh, I know many of you are familiar with, with the Old Testament and you're familiar with the tabernacle. The tabernacle was, the, was in the very center of all their, their tents as they were leaving Egypt. And, and it's the place where God would meet with his people. It represented his presence. Obviously, we understand the creator of the world can't live in a tent. We get that. He's too big for, for anything like that. But he, he chose uh, to put the Ark of the Covenant there and the table of showbread and the, and the menorah or the lights that were there. And, and it's so symbolic of God's very presence. And they were privileged week by week to come to the tabernacle, to wear the ephod. The ephod was like a vest and uh, it had the stones, precious gems on it, 12 of them representing the 12 tribes of, of Israel. And it would symbolize that the priest was supposed to have the people of God on his heart. 
and care for the people of God. He also would have uh, two stones, six names here and six names here, representing that he was responsible to bear the responsibility of leadership in, in the tribes of Israel. And so that was the priestly role. And he would come in and along with the assistance of other priests, but, but the high priest would be able to enter in and to make the atonement once a year, the, the, uh, the day of atonement to, to take the blood and to sprinkle the blood on the, uh, on the Ark of the Covenant. The top of the Ark of the Covenant would, would be gold and, and it, in it would also be the law of God that God gave to Moses. And it's symbolizing how that it's only through the blood that we can be right with God because we've broken God's commandments. And so there was great privilege there that the priest would be able to come in and, and on every day changing out the table of, or the, the bread that was there, the show bread that was symbolizing how God took care of them. And they would come in and they would take care of that, that golden lampstand. You know, you see that associated with Israel's history and their culture so much. And it was that golden lampstand representing the light and how that they were the light of the world. And they would come in and they would take care of that. And they would take care of the, the altar of incense. You see it here. I'm, I'm trying to draw it up here for us all. But the altar of incense. And he would come in and, and take care of the altar of incense. And, and then there was the veil. And, and they would take care of these things. I'm just saying to you, they were privileged to have God's revelation. They were privileged to know God's presence. They were privileged to be able to be in a place to serve the Lord. And then they were privileged because they also got to eat of the meat of the sacrifices. The law allowed that they would have a shoulder, a, a quarter of the, the animal that was sacrificed and some of the other meat that came from the animal. And so they were privileged to have that. They were privileged. And God wanted that privilege to continue. In fact, did you see it? That, that you would have done this? The terminology is forever. The idea is not eternally because God was working out his bigger plan, his whole plan there. But the idea is this. Hey, listen, this did not have to end. You could have continued serving in this way. You could have continued uh, being a part of the, t the work going on at the tabernacle. You could have continued with the, the lamp and the table sh of showbread and the altar of incense. You could have continued in that way. But what happened? They abused their privilege. Instead of being satisfied with what God said in his word, they modified God's word to satisfy their own selfish indulgences. And they began to take a flesh hook and they would, as that, that meat was cooking, then they would take more than their share. That gave God's work a bad name. You know, um, can I put it on pause right here and, and just say there's some preachers that have given God's work a bad name because they've taken more than they should. I found this out to be true. That's another privilege. Did I mention that? When there was four of them, I was going to run by you. God's revelation is a privilege. Uh, God's presence is a privilege. God's uh, service is a privilege. And then God's provision. He took care of them. He fed them. He would give them plenty. Hey, uh, Baptist preachers don't go hungry too often. And these priests, they wouldn't go hungry. God was going to see to that. But they wanted more than their share. 
And, and even the people there, we studied it last time, church, you remember this? We studied it last time. Even the people said, wait a minute, this isn't right. Um, just take your share and then we'll, we'll share with you. I mean, even the people were being godly about it. And yet Hophni and Phinehas, they wanted what they wanted and they wanted it right then. They weren't, listen, they, they were not as concerned about God's will as they were their own will. Are you listening to me, graduates? All right. They weren't as concerned about God's will as they were their own will. Are you listening to me, families? They weren't as concerned about God's will as much as they were concerned about their own will. Plus, sadly, there was sexual scandal at the tabernacle as they were inappropriately being with women that came to the tabernacle, the priest's own sons, Hophni and Phinehas. I'm telling you, that would give everybody a bad taste of what it means to serve God. You know, that would leave some people saying, you know, okay, look, if that's what it is to serve God, I don't want any part of that. If you're going to swindle people out of their money, you're going to, are, you, are you following me here? If you're going to use that for your selfish indulgence, if you're going to, if, if, and, and by the way, I don't, think, I don't think you have to starve the preacher to keep him humble. This church takes good care of our family, but it, it's not, I'm not in the ministry to make money. Are you following what I'm saying? And, and, and so I, I get concerned, you know, when, a, anyways, we don't have to go there, but I, I think you get the idea. But, but there's, a lot, there's a lot that are in it for the wrong reason. That's what was going on with Hophni and Phinehas, and they were in it for the wrong reason. They were abusing their privilege. They'd been given so much, given so much. And then the sexual scandal and all that was going on, I'm just telling you, and, and, and God, was, God wanted Eli to, to stop his sons and he talked to them, but he did not remove them. And Eli himself was rather heavy set. Not being unkind. I'm just saying the Bible makes it clear he was, well, the Bible says he was heavy. He was heavy. Hmm. It's interesting, that word heavy. It's the same word for honor and glory. Because when you give somebody honor, they're... Um, they're weighty. Are you following me here? Um, they're significant. Well, Eli was fat. How'd he get that way? Boys, I told y'all don't take too much of that food from them people. That's not right. But um, you got any leftover? I can't prove all that, but, but when God rebuked him, it's second person plural and it includes Eli. You have done this and you've not removed your sons from, from ministry. You've not removed them from that. And so Eli, basically it's this, because you won't remove them, I will remove them. And they lost their privilege. They lost their position. In fact, Hophni and Phinehas lost their life. Lost their life. 
And God, God says to Eli, Eli, because, because you have squandered your privilege here, and I would have continued. Uh, hey, folks, um, we need to know this. God's not against you. Graduates, God's not against you. He's for you. Uh, God, by the way, God's not, God's not up in heaven just waiting for you to step out of line one good time. Or he can just really lay into you and nail you. No, 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 that's the wrong mentality. God, God's not up in heaven ready just to squash you. He could have already done that. That's not his mentality. But, but it is a serious thing to serve God. And so God is saying to Eli, because you've honored your sons more than me. All right, did you see it in the word? You, you've honored your sons. Here's what it's saying. You've given more weight to who they are than who I am. All right, the word honor, it's the same word meaning heavy. You've given more weight. In fact, Absalom's hair was heavy. It's the same word, kavod is the word. You've given more honor. You've put your sons before me. You've put, you put what they wanted before me. You've put what you've wanted before me. Uh, yes, you rebuked them, but you didn't stop them and you, you should have removed them. And, and so God is saying to Eli, Eli, you have honored them more than you've honored me. And here's what God says. Those that honor me, I will what? Honor those that despise me. Hey, listen, by the way, that doesn't mean that you hate God. That's not what it's saying at all, though some do. But the idea is here that despise means this, to take lightly. To take lightly, to, to not realize the significance of what you have. I, I mean, maybe it, it would go back to that illustration. I don't have my pocket knife on me, but, but that pocket knife, one of those that my dad gave me. Hey, listen, at the store, it's going to be maybe under $20. But in my mind, in my heart mind, it's significant. Why? Because my dad gave it to me. Are you following me? It's significant that way. And, and all those other items, it has significant. It's weighty. It's significant because of who gave it to you. And listen, here's what we're saying. God says, I've given you revelation. And listen, uh, graduates, God, your privilege has, he has given you his revelation. Did not he plainly speak to you while you were in patch club? Did not he plainly speak to you while you were in the youth group? Did not he plainly speak to you while you went to youth camp? Are you listening to me here this evening? Did not he plainly speak to you when you were at youth conference? And did not he plainly speak to you while you were in school? And did not he plainly speak to you when you were up there in, in, in teen church and Brother Seth was flinging it down and Brother Step was flinging it down, Brother Luke was flinging it down and everybody else was flinging it down and, and your Sunday school teacher was flinging it down. Did not... God plainly speak to you. I'm telling you, you, you all are a privileged group of young people. You've got a great privilege in having God's revelation. Uh, listen, I, I'm just saying to you, you may not even realize right now until you get out of here and maybe you move somewhere else, you may not even realize just how privileged you are. But let me just help you out. You're privileged. You're privileged to have God's word and you're privileged to know God's presence. You're privileged to get to work and to serve in some kind of a ministry. You're, you're privileged, even if it is that you just set out, set out the cookies for vacation Bible school. What an important job. Even if that's all you did, you may say, well, that's not very important. Oh, yes, it is. It tells those kids that you're very important here at this church and we love you. We're glad that you're here. Hey, I'm telling you, there's ways that you have served God and that is a great, 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 great privilege. 
You've been privileged to see God provide for you and your family and, and privileged in so many ways. Am I telling the truth here tonight, church? They're privileged. Families, you're privileged and, and, and all folks here tonight just to be able to hold in our hands the word of God that's been preserved for us. We are a privileged people and to know God's presence and to get to serve God here at this church and to get to see God provide for your family, to provide for you and provide for this church year after year after year after year. I'm telling you, we are privileged. But you can take all those privileges throw them away. If your will is more important than God's will, if what you want is more important to you than what God wants, I want to preach it pretty straight to you here tonight. We've kind of seen enough here to where if somebody takes what they've been privileged, set it aside, and go out on your own way, there's a lot of heartache there. Because those that honor God, He'll honor. But those that despise Him, or take Him lightly, again, it doesn't mean you hate Him, just you don't think much about Him. You don't think much about what he gave you in his word. They'll be lightly esteemed. We want to see your life greatly having an impact. Being used for eternal things. The word I told you, honor, means weighty. Weighty. We want your life to have significance. God wants your family to have impact and significance for this church to continue to have impact and significance. But all the privileges we have had do not guarantee that it will continue that way. Now, hold on. I'm not talking about salvation. When, when you're saved, you're in Christ, and that's a, that is a forever thing. But I'm talking about God's blessings being on you, your family, this church, and God being able to use us does not happen just automatically. Just because we're Southwest Baptist Church, or you are who you are, your family is what it is. No, every single generation must choose, I'm going to live for God's will, not my own will. Because it has to be personal. Preached the funeral for Brother Cecil Fillmore. And he sat every morning, Brother Kerry was telling me, Brother Kerry's back here. His dad sat at the big window at the house to read his Bible every morning. He was privileged. Through his word, through, the God, through God's word, he got to know God's presence. He served the Lord where he could and doing what he could, serving his family. I saw the fruit of that Saturday at the funeral. His family had great regard for him. He was a quiet man, Chickasaw Indian, always had a smile. 
Not many people maybe knew Brother Cecil Fillmore, but I'll tell you what, I believe in terms of how God weighs things out, weighty. Weighty. Had an impact on lives. Cared about missionaries. Gave out tracts everywhere he went, they told me. I didn't know all this. It's awesome to find that out. What kind of life will you have? One that will have impact or one that's lightly esteemed? It all depends on what you do with your privileges. And every one of you, in my estimation, are privileged because of all of God's blessings on your life. All of us are. You may say, well, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Well, he started with you then. Making a difference. You're privileged to have the Word. You're privileged to have the guide inside, Brother Brian, as he taught that in the, to the sixth grade young men. A Holy Spirit of God living within us to tell you, don't do that. Yes, do that. What a blessing, what a privilege. Don't throw it away for sexual sin sexual pleasure. Don't ruin your life before it ever gets started. I'm going. You're listening to me. Don't throw it away for money. Career. Don't throw it away for money. Money's not worth it. You're going to need money. You're going to need a lot of it. Am I right? But don't let money have you. Don't let it control where you go and what you do and what career you follow. You have an open ear to God because you've been privileged to be taught that God is a good shepherd and He'll lead you in the right path. Don't disregard His will for your will. Don't get used to His presence where you take it for granted. Don't take this church for granted. Don't take your parents for granted. Don't take good godly music for granted. Be thankful for what you've been given. You've been given a great heritage. Don't take his provisions for granted. The opportunity to serve for granted. Oh, my soul, all of us ought to take heed to this, shouldn't we? Lest we throw it away. What are you going to have to pass on someday? What are you going to have to pass on? You think about that? What are you going to have to pass on? You don't take care of it now, you won't have anything to pass on. It's true of everything you want to pass on. It's certainly true of the most important things, and that would be the spiritual blessings that we all have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm not going to have you turn there, but I had you mark your Bibles. In 1 Kings chapter 2, it says this, that Abiathar, rather, Abiathar, the priest of the lineage of Eli, would be removed. Do you see it there? It's in verse 27, chapter 2. Solomon, about a hundred and a little bit less than 150 years later from when God spoke by the man of God to Eli, he removed Abiathar because Abiathar had sided with Adonijah, one of the sons of David against Solomon. And Solomon said he's got to go. They put in Zadok. Zadok is from not 
the tribe, same as all from Aaron, but it's different. And that's the fulfillment. That's what the Word of God says in 1 Kings 2, that it was a fulfillment of what the man of God said back in the days of Eli the prophet, Eli the priest. Um, you need to understand this. The decisions you make have an impact on more than just your life. And they have an impact for many years to come. If you get out of church, I wonder if your kids will be in church. I wonder if your grandkids will get in, be out of church. And if your kids are out of church, I realize church doesn't take you to heaven, but didn't you have the benefit and the privilege of hearing about Jesus while in a godly family and in church? And if you get out of church, you think your kids will be saved? Do you think your grandkids will be saved if you just say, yeah, whatever, church isn't important? I'm telling you, friend, it has more of an impact than just your life. Is everybody listen to this? That'd probably be good for somebody else that's here too to know that, you know, if I get out of church, it'll have an impact on more than just my life. It could impact my wife's life and my kids' lives and, and your grandkids' lives and who they're going to marry and where they're going to live and what they're going to do. I'm telling you, friend, listen, this is big stuff right here. So what's, what's the bottom line of this? Here it is, real simple. You ready? Honor God. Give more weight to what he thinks than anything and anybody else. And you stay where you know he has blessed you. And then those blessings continue to another generation. But if you say, no, I'm out, the blessings stop. Oh, you may be filthy rich, but you'll be spiritually poor. Dear God in heaven, what a passage right here you preserve for us. It's sobering. As the word of God came to Eli's family, we're thinking tonight about what we're going to have to pass on to another generation. And I love these young people enough to try to tell them the truth out of your word right here, regardless of what people may think about it, dear God. Lord, we know that we have not bought into superstition or man's thoughts. Enough time has gone on even just to bear out the truth and reality and the authority of your word. And certainly you have, you have so privileged and blessed us here tonight. God, help us not to squander that privilege. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. Let, it, let us stand together here tonight. I urge you to come and pray. Put God's will above your will. God's will above your will. Let the blessings of God continue in your life and through you to others. Brother Ted's going to lead us as we sing here tonight.